Hey everybody, welcome to Dopamine, the show that will take you off guard, like a lifeguard that will let you drown. No, well, no, I won't let you drown. That's not, why did I say that? That's not funny. <laughs> welcome to Dopamine, this is Sino, it's Christian Rivera. I am here to present to you an episode with Emily Prokop. We talk about her ADHD and the superpowers that come with it. Um, She's found a way to really take something that has been difficult in a lot of people's lives and found a way to harness that energy through her podcasting and through her ability to do some hyper-focused research and deep dive. She has a really great podcast where she talks about the story behind everything, everyday things. It's called The Story Behind. I think that's what it's called. I apologize if that's wrong, <laughs> but it's mentioned in the podcast as well. And uh, be sure to follow her. She is a wonderful voice and is a good person. Uh, and we had some a really great conversation. So uh, without further ado, let's play that intro thingy. Drums, Okay, Emily Prokop, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yay, I'm excited to finally get to talk to you. This has been some, <laughs> this has been one I've been looking forward to for a little while now. So uh, give us a little bit uh, about who you are and if you've had any uh, mental health uh, difficulties or anything you can speak to. Yeah, I'm Emily Prokop. I am a podcaster. I do a podcast called The Story Behind, which is a short history podcast about the history of everyday objects. And I also do podcast editing and consulting. And my company is ePodcast Productions. And for the majority of my life, I have had ADHD. And I wasn't diagnosed until I was in my 30s. Yeah, basically like 32. Mm-hmm. And it's funny with females because I remember the doctor giving me the questionnaire. Originally, I was going to see somebody for my anxiety. Right. And I was taking the medication and it was fine. It was working. I wasn't having anxiety attacks. I was at a very stressful job before doing what I do now. Right. And one of the things that he said was, you know, the more you talk to me about your anxiety, would you mind if we maybe took a test for ADHD? And I'm thinking, oh, you know, okay, fine. Like I've never had a problem. I always pictured it, uh, the kids in class in elementary school who would be sitting there with their legs shaking or needing to run around and walk around. And I was thinking the hyperactivity part. And I'm like, I don't think I'm ADHD. I don't Mm. have that hyperactivity part. Right. But when I took the test and the quiz he gave me and he talked to me a little bit about it, he was like, you know, you are right there. Like the, this is what you have. And, and I even said to him, I'm like, Oh, well, I, I never really thought about that. I just had so many ideas at once. I just thought I was like really creative. And he would, he said to me, it's actually harder to diagnose in females because we don't show the hyperactivity part so much. So I guess with males, especially younger males, they have the shaking leg and they're walking around. And I remember one kid in our class, he was, he sat in the back and he was able to just get up and kind of walk around and pace around while he was learning. And I was like, you know, why, why didn't they catch this when I was younger? And it's harder for 
them to catch it with females. And he asked, you know, did you ever doodle in your notebooks during class when you were supposed to be paying attention? And I was like, well, that was the thing. I would doodle and make these little drawings and get in trouble for it. But I would, knew, I would know the material though. And right. he's like, exactly. That's what your brain needed. It needed that extra stimulation to remember that stuff. And I remember taking tests. I had a spelling test in third grade mm-hmm. where I would listen to the word. I'd write it out. It would be fine. I got 100% on the test, but I actually got it marked down because I drew this elaborate castle because, you know, with spelling tests as a kid, they would repeat the word. They'd use it in a sentence. And I was just bored. Mm-hmm. And I would do that. My doctor's like, yeah, you know, those are signs that we now started to look for in females because they don't actually exhibit the physical signs as much as they do the mental signs. And so learning that gave me such an insight into how I work and why I've had trouble in the past. And it came out as anxiety, but he switched me to ADHD medication and it really helped with my focus. Mm-hmm. But then when I got pregnant, I couldn't take it anymore and I weaned myself off of it. And the thing was, I I really didn't want to be on the medication because I could feel that my creative side was a little bit duller. Right. And I was like, you know, I love being creative and I love these ideas. Yes, they get in the way. Yes, they're distracting. And especially when I'm supposed to be doing something else and I get an idea for something and then that's all I want to focus on. I mean, I love, (laughs) I kind of love that hyper-focused side of ADHD where you, you have no concept of time and all of a sudden you are totally focused and people outside would think, well, I thought she had ADHD. Like, why is she working on this one project for three hours? But the thing is for people with ADHD, we either have like totally distraction, ooh, squirrel, or we have that hyper-focus. And I kind of love that. I kind of look at it (laughs) as a superpower, you know? (laughs) Right. No, I can totally relate to that. Um, You know, it's interesting because you you mentioned all of those things and I had the exact same issues when I was a kid. Um, I I haven't had enough of a a doctor's experience to be diagnosed of anything like that. But um, uh, I do remember when I was a kid, uh, specifically uh, in geometry class, I used to draw all the time. But, you know, like you said, it's like it, it's it's like I was keeping my reptile brain busy because then the rest of me would be able to absorb it. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So it's really interesting and uh, something I've actually been interested in looking into. Um, did your doctor identify anything specific about you that made him want to look into ADHD? He was noticing that my, I've always had a problem with weight mm-hmm. and especially yo-yo dieting. And I would get really into a diet mm-hmm. and then my own human behavior side and my rebellious side would be like, you know, this is restrictive. It's, it's not something I can sustain doing for the rest of my life. And Mm -hmm. as soon as I hit a plateau of weight loss, it would be like, okay, nope, nope, this sucks. Or I'd have one cheat meal and it would just throw me off for a day or, and then that day would turn into a weekend. And then that weekend would turn into a month Mm -hmm. and I would be back up to my starting weight again. And he was like, well, let's kind of get to the problem of some of that compulsion that I see that you have. And that it was the compulsion side that kind of gave him a red flag, like maybe we should test for ADHD. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. It's making me think that I should go uh, talk to someone because I've got a lot of the similar issues that I've actually identified as mania for me um, because I've dealt with cyclical depression, uh, cyclothymia. And what you're describing sounds a lot like mania or at least my version of mania to me. Mm -hmm. So I like, you're talking and I'm like, we're like kindred spirits. Cause it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was the thing. I started going to him because of my anxiety, but also because my mom is bipolar mm -hmm. and that was always sort of not a fear of mine, but something that I had to keep in mind because she would come home every few months from her doctor. I remember growing up with this and she would bring pamphlets that one month it would say, you know, bipolar disorder is genetic. And then the next month she was like, oh yeah, those studies are wrong. It's not genetic. And it was back and forth. So I was always just on the lookout for any sort of signs of bipolar disorder at all mm -hmm. because of that. And my dad who has anxiety, he, I found out later, he was like, I was on the lookout for it too. And by the time I was in my late twenties, he's like, you know, you, you would have already exhibited symptoms of that by now, which was, you know, kind of a relief for me to hear because I was just either waiting for it. It's one of those things like, I'm not going to be upset or sad either way, but it's one of those things that I just want to know. I don't want to be on the fence of, okay, is this going to be my life? Is it not? Should I be making preparations for it in the future? And he was like, you know, when I started seeing you have anxiety, like I have, I was a little more relieved and I'm like, all right, thanks. Thanks parents. <laughs> thanks for these genetic gifts. Right. You got the good genes, the anxiety genes. Nice work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it's, it's really interesting um, because so it seems like the difference is that you, you don't seem to have an emotional crash at the other end of the compulsion. It's, it seems like you just kind of level off or um, that, or, or, um, yeah, I mean, how would you describe that? Is it like with the hyper focus is something that I can relate to. Mm -hmm. Um, I can get really fixated on things and, um, just can't seem to control my energy. And I, I kind of make compulsive decisions and things like that. But at the end, the other end of it, after I reach peak of mania, I tend to crash on the other side. Like I'll have an equal or opposite amount of depression on the other side of it. Um, so is, is, do, do you find that you kind of leak into depression at all or, or does it just kind of level off for you and then you kind of like fluctuate from being hyperactive mentally to not? It ends up leveling off for me. And then I've only had a few times where depression has really gotten to me. And the thing is, I'm almost hyper aware of it too. Like mm -hmm. I'll be going through it and being like, this isn't right this isn't me. This isn't how I'm supposed to feel. Right. And it, it's funny because when I'm in that hyper-focused stage, I'm like, no, this is great. I know exactly what's going on. I'm going to stay in this as long as I can. You know? <laughs> I know. But I the, know. the depression side, it, like that's when I do all the research and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go to the park. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to eat better. And, mm -hmm. you know, I try to not snap my, like that's the wrong term to snap yourself out of it. But sure. it's a, it's something that I'm much more conscious of my body and how I'm feeling and trying to get myself back on track. I had an app for a while that was like a mood diary mm -hmm. when I went through postpartum anxiety and then a little bit on the depression side. And just being able to keep track of your moods, like how it would pop up every 
in the morning and afternoon and nighttime saying, how are you feeling? And just being able to sit down and like, look at it and be like, oh, I'm actually feeling this way. Mm. And being able to write about it and write it out and then look at the, look at that on a piece of paper. And that's one thing with me is if I look at something on a piece of paper, oh, that makes perfect sense. But when it's just in your mind and you're living it and you're just absorbed into it, right. it's like, Oh my God, I have no idea where to start and what to work on first. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. The, the, the simple awareness of what's going on can allow you to make those adjustments. You know, like you said, you learned in your early 30s. So it's like you were able to make transitions into doing what you're doing now, which seems like it's much better for you. So you said you had stressful jobs in the past. Uh, how did your, how, how did the, what you now know about ADHD seemingly affect your, you know, those jobs, your, your, your ability to be in that type of job. Well, it's funny because once, once I realized that I have ADHD and I did the research about it and how it affects you and how different elements like the amount of stress or even things like the weather or the fact that like my husband put a bird feeder outside my window in my office and that's just been the worst thing for ADHD every time a bird comes (laughs) over. But Mm -hmm. in those stressful jobs, I end up, if I'm too overwhelmed and too stressed, I shut down. Mm -hmm. And even though I should be getting all this work done, I just absolutely shut down and I go to Facebook and I go to Twitter and I'm on there. Like if you see me on social media a lot, (laughs) I tell people like, if you see me like posting a lot and, you know, being all over the place, you need to like send me a DM and tell me, you know, what, what should you be doing right now? (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. And I love it too. That's the thing is social media, not even social media, but just going on the internet and letting myself be distracted and letting my mind wander and going through Google rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of my reward for things is just, I do the Pomodoro method. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah. That's the time blocking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's wonderful. I mean, you get these time blocks. I usually give myself 45 minutes and then when the timer goes off, I allow myself to do whatever I want on the internet. So I usually have all these questions. I'm like, oh yeah, I have a question about how this was formed and the history of this, which is kind of how I came up with my podcast was the ADHD is just, (laughs) you know, oh, you know what? I want to know the history. Like, where did the paperclip come from? Who decided that the paperclip should be in that shape? And Mm. that's kind of how I make my podcast. So that's kind of my outlet for that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's really interesting. I actually, I honestly haven't listened to your podcast yet, but I need to because uh, that stuff that I'm, I go down random rabbit holes too. So I I would totally love that. Um, And, and, you know, it's interesting to talk about ADHD as something that it sounds like you've found ways to really make it your superpower, you know, that that it's mm -hmm. something that you can just kind of, you've found ways to say like, this is who I am and this is how I can utilize it to my best ability. It really is. I read a book a few weeks ago uh, called Faster Than Normal by Peter Shankman. Mm -hmm. And it's all about success with ADHD. And he looks at it as a superpower and brings it into this light of, you know, we can do all these things that people without ADHD can't understand. And to them, it sounds foreign. But for us, if we use it in the right way, Mm -hmm. it is absolutely our superpower. And he gave a lot of examples of 
ways that we can use it in our business and ways to kind of cut down on that mind clutter, not to necessarily get rid of it altogether, but to kind of keep it contained and use it in a way that's beneficial to us rather than hindering our productivity. Right. So it sounds like you really needed some sense of structure in terms of like using the Pomodoro technique and finding ways to, you know, to, to keep yourself actually like focused and working and not just go down these rabbit holes, but to still give yourself the room to go down those rabbit holes and actually use it as a strength with your podcast. So it, was it, do you think it was like the diagnosis of the ADHD that kind of helped you figure out that this is something you could do with the podcasting and, uh, you know, make, make your own way since, you know, trying to conform to a job or someone else's way of living is, is a lot harder. Yeah, I think the diagnosis, I wouldn't say it was kind of life changing because mm-hmm. a lot of people with ADHD don't necessarily get themselves diagnosed. They kind of self-diagnose themselves. And whenever I'm talking to somebody like my husband, I'm convinced he and I are very, very similar. And when I came back and told him about the diagnosis and told him what my doctor had said about uh, not necessarily the hyperactivity part, but how my mind works and the different stimuli for me that sets me off. He was just, he was like, oh my God, yeah, I have the same thing. So he's kind of uh, self-diagnosed himself and a lot of people do that. And the thing is, if the productivity for ADHD works for somebody without actual diagnosis of ADHD, it's not to say that that's a wrong thing or a bad thing. You know, people right. use whatever works for them. Right. So do you find yourself, so I want to kind of um, transition over to talking a little bit about your podcast because it sounds incredibly interesting. Um, And to kind of bridge the gap a little bit here, um, when you are podcasting, because I know when I'm podcasting, I need to write things down or I'm going to get lost and forget things. Yeah. Uh, Do you, do you find yourself still doodling and still, still writing things down or can you stay focused on the conversation with somebody? Well, mine is a solo show, so it's all me, Um, and I get into total hyper-focus mode because I focus on a different thing each week, so I pull up all the websites and all my research, and I kind of read them all, and then somehow, you know, all that information goes into my brain, and then I turn it into a story, and I can write it in my own words, which is what I love doing, and I get that hyper-focus as soon as I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this subject this week. This has an interesting backstory. And next thing I know, I mean, I started my podcast last night. Um, it was a different format, but I started it last night at seven o'clock. And the next thing I know, it's 12 o'clock at night. It's a 13 minute podcast. Like it should not take five <laughs> hours to do this, but I get so wrapped up in the writing of it and adding different things to it. Cause it's also my playground. I consider my sandbox to kind of play with different editing techniques so that I know how to do that. And if I do it on my show and I think it sounds good, then I can tell others that, Hey, you know, I've done this. Here's an example of it. So yeah, my podcast ends up being my hyper-focused time. And oh my gosh, I just love how it feels, just the adrenaline rush of that hyper-focus. And then finishing the episode and getting it out. And then it's always hard to sleep after. I don't know if you have the same thing as like you press publish and you're just like, I can't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do get really excited. I I get excited about, uh, 
about building brands. I get excited about doing podcast episodes and doing videos. Uh, I get that way when I have a, a specific idea. For the most part, for the most part, I allow myself when I'm doing podcasts to be a little bit more um, frivolous, for lack of a better word. Like I don't go down intense research rabbit holes for every topic because I record very frequently. But there, every once in a while, I get very, very hooked on a topic. Like I did. Uh, um, Myers-Briggs research uh, mm -hmm. within the last few months and that for me has been a way of prompting my own personal mental health and finding different ways to like navigate my personality and separate personality versus mental health and stuff like that um, so I started going down these intense rabbit holes and I was helping my girlfriend Molly figure out about hers and then I just kept going I was like I'm gonna find out about every type and I'm gonna start <laughs> And uh, I know a lot about different types and stuff to the point where I'm starting to offer consulting for people. Uh, and I did, so I decided one day, some nights I just can't sleep, uh, whether it's excitement or not. And my brain will just go and go and go to the point where I will formulate an entire podcast in my head, like a scripted podcast in my head. And um, the next day I have to like get it out. I can't do anything else until I sit yep. in front of the camera and I just do it. So I did this 45 minute rant about INTPs, which is my type. I believe it's your type as well. Uh, so I did this 45 minute rant, which is like my best video on YouTube right now, and just kind of went off and just kept going and talking and talking. And it was like, it was so satisfying at the end. I was like, I'm still incredibly excited when people watch it. It's, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> and that's one of the best things. And I mean, I know... Yeah, probably getting those ideas and then pushing off other things to do them is not the, it's not always the best course of action. Right. But once, w once we do that and we get that creative boost, it's like we feel unstoppable. And then I'll look at my deadlines and all of a sudden I'm hitting them like so fast, faster than I would if... I didn't get to do that creative thing because mm -hmm. if I were trying to push myself to edit a client's podcast instead of doing a podcast or some research or finding out about something, mm -hmm. it makes it that much slower to do and longer because you have that just itch in your brain. And, it, and there are some techniques of just like, okay, just keep a piece of paper next to you, write down any ideas you have. But then I don't know. I want to act on it. Like that's the compulsive side. And uh -huh. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing either. I really no, don't. it sounds like you found ways to use it for good. So you've, you're, you're taking your superpowers and using it for the benefit of humanity, uh, <laughs> especially when it comes to like everyday objects and stuff. Like that's really interesting. So like what can give people a sense of like what kind of objects you talk about? You mentioned a paperclip, but like what other uh, kind of examples can you think of to share with the audience? Yeah, one of my favorite episodes was my 100th episode, and I did the story behind the musical. Uh -huh. So I actually sang the whole thing, and I put it in music. <laughs> I mean, I made up these lyrics. I rewrote uh, a song from Pirates of Penzance because it was um, royalty-free, so I knew I could use it on the podcast. Nice. And did the whole history of musicals from the very beginning, uh, back when they did them, like that was hundreds of years ago, way up to now. And I even found ways to like throw in 
Lin-Manuel Miranda who wrote <laughs> Hamilton. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And at the time that I was doing that, I had written all the lyrics over the weekend, or I'd written all the lyrics and was trying to learn the song during the week. And then the Friday, um, I was told by my boss that I was going to be laid off. And I think she was expecting like this big outburst of just like, oh my gosh, like, oh no. Meanwhile, in my head, I'm just like, okay, can I go back to my desk so I can keep working so that I can, you know, <laughs> like I was going to be laid off uh, three months from then. So I was like, oh, you're telling me now. All right. Well, that gives me something to think about, but I'm trying to learn a musical number for my podcast <laughs> that doesn't pay me. So I really need to get back to my desk. And <laughs> so, <laughs> That's really funny. And it's one of my favorite episodes because I just had so much fun with it. And I mean, that was kind of the episode I had already been editing podcasts for other people part-time. Mm -hmm. So when I, we heard about layoffs, I was like, you know, this is kind of the kick in my butt that I needed to start my business. And then there are other episodes I've done. Um, I love talking to my audience mm -hmm. and finding out what they like learning about. And I get so many suggestions like, you should do the story behind this. You should do the story behind this. And I get ideas from them and especially if they come to me with like a piece of trivia that really gets to me of, Hey, did you know, da, 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 da. And you know, something back in history that I was like, Oh my God, no, I didn't know that. And now I need to know more. I need to find out just the story behind it. One of the things I did was I did an episode about clowns and I'm afraid of clowns, but when mm -hmm. it came out, I really liked the original it movie. So when the new one came out, Mm -hmm. all of my friends who were doing movie podcasts were talking about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I kind of want to do something on this. I want to talk about it and get my ideas out there. And I asked my audience, I'm like, okay, guys, I'm really afraid of clowns, but should I do the story behind clowns? Like, is this something that people want to hear? And of course, and they wanted it. I was like, mm -hmm. really? I thought everybody was afraid of clowns. All right. <laughs> and I had to go to all these websites with like scary clown pictures because of course they all have to use the scary ones. They can't use like the nicer ones. Mm -hmm. And I found out the history behind them. And it was actually, I consider that one of my other favorite episodes just because it took away that fear a little bit just to hear the history of it and to learn more about why they're scary and the things in our brain that get triggered for certain people get triggered by seeing these grossly painted faces and why just painting someone's face would actually be alarming for people. Yeah, a lot of that fear is in the unknown, right? So mm -hmm. it's like taking something that's in the dark informationally and bringing it into the light. So, uh, you know, it's like when you're touching on topics like that, it's it's a really good service for people even to like talk. It's like when that show Ghost Hunters came out and the whole premise was like to debunk people's perceptions of like what they thought was a ghost or something when they were like, no, you just have like really messed up wiring in your hallucinations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or there's some weird electromagnetic wave going on in this area of the room that causes a chill to happen. Yeah. That's, right. That's so it's so it's really interesting to kind of dive deep and ask questions and break down the 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 nuance of something. Um I've I've thought about lately the and maybe this is something you do talk on your podcast or maybe you should is uh, uh, uh like phrases that people use that they're just yeah. kind of used to saying, you know, like god bless you, like why? Yeah. 
why do you say that after someone sneezes? That's weird. <laughs> like stuff like that. <laughs> That's one of the coolest things is doing, I did back last March, I did a whole series that month on luck and superstition. So I looked mm -hmm. at why there are superstitions about doing things and what it comes back. It all goes back to the Bible, pretty much. It all goes back to Christianity when you look right. at it. Like, wow, really? Right. Yeah. yeah. Everything's built around guilt and fear. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, back then, and it's funny looking at it now as the science we're learning now about things like nutrition and diet. It's like, oh, back then they actually knew what they were talking about. Good for them. They were very in tune with their bodies. But when it came to science and why crops came up one year and not the next, it's not because they weren't thinking, oh, it didn't rain enough. It was because a god was mad at them. So we should kill a goat. And clearly that'll help that way. <laughs> so. Right. Yep. Weird logic. That's why people still believe the earth is flat. Weird. Thing. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, to kind of bring this thing back around to the mental health conversation and um, yeah. basically start to wrap this thing up. Um, so you kind of started to learn more about your ADHD a little bit later than later in life. Um, uh, I think you did mention it earlier, but uh, what there's kind of two questions coming out of this. Uh, what was the what was the major prompt for you to try to learn more? And uh, you mentioned like the whole hereditary aspect of it. So is it something that you're looking for in your kids? And are you, you know, having them talk to a doctor regularly to make sure that, you know, they learn as soon as possible to be able to adjust as a, at a young age? Yeah, to answer that question first, right now I have a daughter and she's seven and I'm starting to see the same things that I did in school as a kid. And the thing is, it's still not always flagged by teachers as maybe this is something to look at. It's flagged as she's talking in class and she's getting distracted and she finishes her work and then she distracts other kids. And I'm like, hearing this and hearing the same thing that teachers would say if she only applied herself and mm -hmm. I, I don't necessarily um she's my daughter with my ex-husband so it's not like mm -hmm. we're in constant you know we're not in the same house and talking about it every night but we talk about it a lot uh -huh. and I told him I'm like you know that's exactly what I'm going through too and he was he is also a teacher so he knows he got something called a 504 where it's somebody to go with her to her classes to see what exactly she's doing and they don't the nice thing is they don't necessarily want to um fix those behaviors or like train her to be a certain way and sit in a class but they're making it now so that they can cater how she's being taught so that she's able to learn better so if it is something like giving her a scrap piece of paper and letting her doodle while she's learning that's something that a professional can actually come in and say, you know, this is how she learns. This is how she retains things. And as long as she does it quietly and we have her under supervision, and that's what they're going to do. And I, I, I really love that because had I known younger as a kid, I think I would have been able to, well, we didn't have Google back then, but I think I would have been able to at least, you know, know to go and look for ways to help that instead of just thinking, well, this is just how I am. Yes. And I'll try to improve and become someone I'm not. And that kind of goes into your first question about learning, learning the diagnosis, learning that I had it and um, working with it. And it was the same thing when I 
discovered, uh, I took the Myers-Briggs test and it's funny. I think you and I talked at one point, I, I had came up in a lot of these tests that I take cause there are different ones on the internet. Mm-hmm. And most of the time I come up as an INTJ mm-hmm. and then sometimes I'll come up as an INTP and I'm like, what did I answer differently? Like what, <laughs> what, what's right. up with that? So, um, when I learned about that, I went into crazy research mode because as soon as you learn something about yourself and, or somebody says something and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, this is me. What does it mean? Because I'm constantly just trying to improve myself and then work with what I have as far as skills to make them better and to make it work for me rather than trying to change it because I tried for years to turn that I into an E and it mm-hmm. was draining and I, it's just... Oh, it's so, (laughs) I can't even, I'm like trying to think of all the times I, my mom was like, just go to the party, just enter, because she's like a classic E over here being like, I don't know why you're so shy and, you know, you're, you're so nice and everyone's going to like you. And I was like, that's not the point. And I can't explain to you why that's not the point. (laughs) Yeah. It's really hard. It's, you know, it's something that I think it would be fun to actually come back and have a uh, INTP and INTP discussion to kind of compare notes. I think that would be really interesting. And to, well, like I said, I've been playing with consulting via Myers-Briggs. So I think it could be a good live example of doing that. Right now I've been doing it privately, but I think I think maybe we could do, do it on the air and talk about our experiences as introverts and that frustration of feeling at some point in your life that you're like, oh, I wish I was more extroverted, but you know, you're, you're just, and, and dealing with people who are just like, why are you so quiet? Why don't you talk more? Why don't you come out more? Yeah. <laughs> and and the funny thing stuff. is they see you with your friends who you've let into that sort of introvert bubble of just like, okay, I have right. adopted you as my friend, as an introvert. Now <laughs> you're going to see some stuff. Like, let right. me tell you. And then I get all animated and funny. And, and mm-hmm. then other people are just like, oh my God, that girl is so loud. And then it, it, it's like they're two different people who see me with my friends and are like, Mm -hmm. there's no way she's an introvert. And then if they see me and they've never met me before at a party, Mm -hmm. I'm quiet and against the wall if I don't know anyone. And I'm just holding on to food for dear life because (laughs) it it is my only friend at that point. (laughs) Right. No, I can totally relate to all of that. And I think, I I think that's a good place to end. Uh, And we should come, we should come back uh, and do a discussion about that in particular, because I think, you know, you said you were having some difficulties uh, identifying INTJ versus INTP. Um, and I think there are some important distinctions because there are cognitive functions involved that are very different. While there's one letter that is different between INTJs and INTPs, there are, the cognitive functions are very, very different and could probably help with some understanding of that. So that- yeah, that would be fun. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate uh, you being on the show. Do you want to give people a sense of where they can uh, follow you and your podcast? Sure. If you're interested in my podcast, you can go to the storybehindpodcast.com and you can also find me at epodcastproductions.com. Fantastic. I literally just subscribed to your podcast as we were talking. So I'm really excited to go check it out. Um, And uh, yeah, that's it. We'll come back in the future, but thank you, Emily Prokop, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Christian. All right. See you guys. Thank you. 
Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine. I really appreciate it. If you thought this was a dope show, then you should wait until next week. But also, while you wait, you should go to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a positive review. Positive reviews help me to uh, fill up my dopamine tank. Otherwise, you can send your friends to dopamine.life to listen to the show or hi, my name is Christian.com to get the latest updates. I'll catch you later. Baby, I'm a fiend, I'm a fiend. Oh, you know you got me going off your dopamine. All I really need, all I need is for you to put me on to the recipe. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, purple flowers, candy showers, and the yeah. air. You dance for hours as I watch from overhead. It's a martin. You got me going off your dopamine. Yeah, it's a martin. You got me going off your dopamine.